Welcome to the Six Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it, saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are tuning in from. Thank you for joining me on another week of the Six Figure Roadmap. I'm super excited for you all to hear this interview I had the pleasure of interviewing Dana Malstaff, who is the creator of the Boss Mom and Boss Dad movements. She's full of energy. She's full of wisdom. And it's just an overall amazing interview. Super energized and exciting the entire time. And it's going to leave you guys with a ton of value. The Boss Mom and Boss Dad communities aren't just about having business and babies. It's about embracing the complexity of our lives and not feeling guilty that we not only want to be amazing parents, but amazing entrepreneurs and leaders as well. It's about coming together to help each other rise up and become who we want to be and achieve anything we can dream up. It's also about creating a judge-free space where we can cry one minute and come up with a brilliant idea the next. She has become a master of cultivating community relationships, and welcoming people from all different walks of life. What I really loved and got out of this interview, besides just the awesome conversation that we had, was that she really cares about the people that she's serving. We talk about how she goes about creating community, which you all should be doing if you're looking to start a business. And even if you're not, community is just one of those things that we as humans long for and it's it's part of our DNA to be a part of one. So she talks about how she went about creating her community of over 30,000 moms and how she goes about, you know, distributing content and making sure that um, the moms and dads in her community are actually building businesses that fulfill their lives, but also accommodate for the fact that they are parents. She is one of the best people to learn from when it comes to all things business, community, relationships, scaling, and content distribution. So I'm excited for you all to listen to this. It's full and jam-packed with wisdom and information, and hopefully you walk away with something that you can implement in your own life today. Before we get into the interview with Dana I want to give you guys a quick reminder of our sponsor for today's show. Kajabi is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create online courses, membership sites, launch marketing campaigns, build landing pages, and design the perfect website. They've had over $1 billion in transactions made through Kajabi. Over 20,000 businesses worldwide trust Kajabi. They've been in business for over nine years and they served almost 34 million entrepreneurs. Kajabi is an amazing platform. We've used it for our membership site. We've used it for our funnel creation and our site creation. It's super easy to use. My favorite thing to compare it to is two sites uh, like Wix and Squarespace combined with things like ClickFunnels and WordPress. It's just an all-in-one platform that really does everything that you need. You don't need an a developer. It's very plug and play, easy to use. You can get your site up and running within a day and have it serve your business and your customers. They've been generous enough to give us a 25% discount off of all of their subscriptions. Even if you already have a Kajabi subscription, you can purchase our membership by going to lvrg.it. You can let us know that you already have an account or grab the discount link 
for 25% off if you don't have a Kajabi account yet and you'll save that 25% whenever you decide to level up your website creation by using Kajabi. All right, let's get into this awesome, awesome interview with Dana Malstaff. Welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Roadmap. I'm here with Dana Malstaff, Dana Banana. I'm super excited to have you here. So I want to introduce you to the audience. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, the amount of women that are have advanced degrees, were six-figure earners, and then came to to be a mom and wanted to be with their kids, but still have the brain of a six-figure earner. It's it's a ridiculous amount. And then they don't know what to do with themselves. Like imagine even man, woman, it doesn't matter. Like imagine knowing that your brain works. Like you see a whiteboard and you want to solve a problem or you want to, you want to fix something. Like that's why I feel like YouTube got so big because all of these really smart people that became parents were like, I got to build something. I got I to gotta solve something or I'm going to go crazy because you can only play Legos for so long. Uh, I love that. And you saw that opportunity and created a place for people to come and meet each other and learn from each other, learn from you and get access to the knowledge that you have because you are a mom and you do have the mind of a six-figure earner. And I'm just... My, I want to ask you, do you remember what it was like when you made your first six figures as an entrepreneur after you became a mom? I do. And then I think I brushed it aside for my next goal. Do you ever do that? Where you're like, I, people are like, did you relish in it? And you're like, no, I was like, that's not enough. Yeah. I I, I remember, I, I remember the very first time I, um, opened up to a, like had a program, opened up our group coaching program and I had 500 people on my email list and maybe a couple hundred people in the boss mom community, like our Facebook group, that's now 42,000. And I, when I, cl- I closed $36,000 of women coming in, in like a four week period. And it was amazing. And then I, you know, realized I had to then do the work to actually help those women over the next six months, which, which brought me right into the mode where most consultants uh, and service providers are, which is we never get to enjoy the money we make because we're always trying to make the next month, the next six months sense of money. So like the real business you want in a six-figure business is the kind that works while you sleep, where you don't make the money and then immediately have to put out effort in order to earn what you've just made. Um, that's, that's the goal I think for business owners should be that, that you get increased input of finances without increased exporting of your effort. Yeah, that is absolutely one of the most critical pieces of, of building a business. We're actually in that stage right now where we're like looking to level up and we're bringing people on our team and we're having to create a bunch of SOPs and make sure that we joys that people just don't understand at first. Usually they just don't look into what comes after that. And like you said, you're not enjoying it as much at first until you learn that, oh man, I actually have to do this stuff in order to maintain my revenue over time. Yeah. And and I think it's really important too that I, so the third book I wrote was called climb your own ladder, become the CEO of your own business. And I want to tell everybody that's listening, you can't skip those steps. You 
just you just can't those steps and and anybody that you see online that looks like a 20 year old that tells you I help become you know make people seven figure business earners and then anybody who's been in the business is like you look 12 how is it possible that you know these things those people still did a ton of work they just started when they were 15 or did something like nobody it doesn't matter you cannot skip the learning steps wisdom is not something that is handed to you in a book wisdom is something that is earned and it takes time and it takes failure. Failure is not just like a, oh, we need to learn to fail. Like everybody gives those emotion, those quotes that are like, we need to fail and we need to own it. Like failure is not an option. Like that's, it's just it. Like you cannot learn without failure. Like if all we did was succeed, it, it does not make us any better. Like the only things that make us better is failure. So that's why everybody says fail often and fail fast because you, you could get where you want to go faster. You can get to the six figures and beyond faster if you fail faster, but everybody's got to fall on their face. Like they're you, like, everybody has to work too hard and stay up till four in the morning and then accidentally book too many clients and then try and deliver and then mess something up and then have somebody want a refund and then try a launch and have it fail. And like, like everybody's story is so funny because it's exactly the same. We all have the exact same story with the, just in little variances. And so just yearn to have the same failure path as the people that have really big successful uh, businesses and you're on, you're on the right track. I'm curious after just hearing you say that and all the things we've just been talking about that happened after you hit that benchmark, how were you helping all of these moms implement that into their life, which you have all, all this craziness over here with your kids are expected as a mother. And then you have all this craziness over here and all the things your customers are expecting of you as a business owner. Mm-hmm. How do you bring those two together and kind of like limit the amount of, of stress and stuff that comes from that? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, I'm not the only, whether you're a mom or not, focus has got to be, oh, is always the thing, right? Like success is not in the things you do. It's a success is the things you say no to. So the, the real strategy is how do you figure out what's important? Like that's what's, that's what really successful people do is they decide what's important and that's the only thing they focus on. And the really massively successful people say no to a lot of things. You know, the, the true, the true six figure, seven figure earner says no to a lot of stuff. And so, and that's the thing that women have the hardest time doing because we want to be so helpful. So we want to say yes to everybody. I have a really popular podcast episode called Don't Be Helpful, Be Impactful. Because being helpful is a waste of time. And I mean, and what I mean by that is the people that we yearn to help the most, they're usually what we call the ideal client scale. So there's the person that it's the very bottom and they're the person that you see needs you the most. They need you to solve that problem that you want to solve, like something fierce and you can see it, but they don't have the emotional, financial, or time resources to actually implement anything you say. So they're going to tell you you're awesome, but they're never going to get results and they're never going to pay you. But we spend all our time there because they're the person that needs us the most. The really smart entrepreneur is the one that says, you know what, I'm going to skip to the person that's one gap away from, from getting the maximum amount of results that I can give them. And I'm going to market to that person. And when I have all the resources I have, then I'm going to start being more charitable with some of my resources on a very limited basis so that I can be helpful to those people I want to be helpful without actually making it difficult for me to run a successful business. And that's really what we have to teach women, moms, men, any, you know, everybody alike. I think women do it more because we want to be helpful, but that's what we have to do is we have to show you how can we focus not just on the 
things that you do so you're not wasting a bunch of time on social media in the wrong way, which is when it's something I see a lot. We can totally talk about some tactics to stop wasting time on social media because it's it's almost everybody gets a bum rap. Like Facebook's terrible. And I'm like, you're using it wrong. Instagram sucks. You're using it wrong. Like these are, it's, it's not the platform. It's you. We've got to, we've got to show you how to use it right. So that focus of what to work on, what not to work on, what to create and what not to create, how to really understand you're solving a problem and not solving a problem because we're in this weird space these days where back in the day you would go into a bank or to investors and you would say, I have this problem to solve. I have this uh, business plan. This is how I'm going to make money. This is what the market share is going to be. And all this research was done to say, I, this is how I'm going to solve this problem. And now what we find is people are going, this is the life I want to lead. How can I do something that allows me to live that life? And so we're not starting with the problem. We're starting with the life we want and then trying to fill it with what problem could we solve to give me that life. It totally can work that way, but it creates this gap where we don't do the right kind of planning and focus to make sure that we're actually only doing the things to solve that problem to get us the result that we want. Hmm, I think that's a perfect segue into what you call systematic loyalty. Yeah. Because, and guys, don't worry, we're going to get into how to stop wasting time on social media. I know she kind of slipped that in there as something we're going to touch on. That will, that's coming. It all works actually with systematic loyalty. It'll solve that problem and at the same time. Perfect. Well, why don't you elaborate on what that means and how you, one, have created that for yourself and how you help others do the same for themselves. Yeah, well, we all know what shiny object syndrome is, right? It's a, it's a thing everybody claims. And some people wear it with a badge of honor. So a lot of people say I'm multi-passionate, you know, and then they're like, nobody can tell me I can't be multi-passionate. I, you know, like a lot of things. Yes, I totally get it. You don't have to stop liking a lot of things in order to be a focused business owner, right? Um, and when we really think about businesses and and how we make money, the, we want to have people that come back time and time again. And our best marketing strategy is to get people to share our content, share who we are and perpetuate our ideas and our brand, right? So especially nowadays, because grassroots marketing is so important. All advertisers, the big companies are coming in and going, how can we get grassroots? Because people are shutting off ads, they're turning things off, they're paying the extra fee so they don't see commercials all of those things are happening. So this grassroots marketing has to start, is really becoming the big thing, which means everybody here who's trying to start, you know, and get to that six figure mark, you're in the perfect position because you are the micro influencer. You can have a group of 100, 200, 500, a couple thousand people that you're off everybody else's radar. So nobody's truly competing with you in this particular space. And it gives you this opportunity to be micro famous, which is really great. The problem is, is that people are out there just trying to sell stuff, right? And if your business is just selling stuff and you don't create a sense sense of community, you don't have to actually create a physical community. Like Apple has no online presence, y'all. And they have a very big sense of community. There is no, like there's millions of people following the Apple Facebook page and I don't think they've ever posted anything ever, right? But you have to create a sense of community so that people feel like they belong. Loyalty is when somebody feels so intimately, emotionally connected to something that they get act angry when that thing is attacked, right? So you want a brand where if somebody came out and said something mean about you, that before you even have a chance to, a crap ton of people are coming out defending you. Like that's, that's the kind of loyalty that you want. And it's based around 
giving people a sense of belonging. So the way you create a sense of belonging, which really is a trust that's built up, right? If we want to, if we want to simple, like bring it down to a simple word, it's trust. And the way that you get people to trust you is based off of two factors. One, that they believe that you feel like their voice is important, right? So they feel like they are, the value that they add to whatever you're building is valuable, is important. And two, that they feel protected, which means if they're going to protect you when it comes time, then you have to protect them. And the way that we do that in our brands is through consistency, right? People think, oh, consistency, I'm going to post all the time, I'm going to do stuff. But if you add just same way as a parent, that's why I love parenting and business as an analogy, right? Is that if you just let your kids do anything, then because you don't want to discipline them, right? Then you have kids that don't that don't trust whatever you say because you could go either way. They don't know what to expect from you, right? Kids want to have an understanding of what their boundaries are. Communities that you have want to understand what to expect from you, which means the more consistent you are with what you say and how you say it, then the easier it is for people to trust you because they know what they're going to get from you and they know what you're going to say. They know how you're going to act. They know how, you know, how to interact with you. And it creates a familiarity, but it also creates a sense of trust, a sense of protection for them, right? Um, if you have an actual physical online community, then it's going to manifest itself in protecting the rules of that community, right? You don't, we actually don't let people put in motivational quotes in our Facebook group and we don't let them share in articles, right? Which some people say, why would you not do that? And say, because that's not the parameter of our group. Our group is a think tank. It is a market research space for women to get answers they need and the support they need through questions to get answers. And that's why it's so wildly engaging. Um, so you've got to have that parameter, those, those rules, right? And then we add in, for, in, when we're talking about loyalty, then we have to add in the fact that they need to be able to connect with each other outside of you. So you need to provide things that allow people to connect together, right? Because then their loyalty isn't just to you as an expert, but their loyalty is to your ideas, right? And if you think about Batman, where it's like, you can kill a man, but you know, you can't, you can't kill this identity that everybody connects to, right? Everybody can be Batman kind of thing. Um, that's that same thing from your brand. Every, all of us consultants and service providers, we want to be the center, right? We're very much like, nobody can have the answer I have. Nobody can do the thing that I do. Like I'm super special. And when you recognize that if you can perpetuate the right ideas and the right belief system within your brand, then you can create a sense of loyalty where people feel empowered to connect with each other, but they never forget you as being the per person who is the impetus for that connection. And that creates this amazing sense of loyalty. And then the, the other part is that you're actually providing good content, which is probably what everybody who's listening is already doing. You got that part going, but because you don't have the loyalty engine based around the content you make, where you're making people feel like their voice matters. You're helping them connect outside of you just by perpetuating your ideas and you're creating that safe space through the consistency of the brand you have. Then you have a bunch of people that are selling things, but it's an uphill battle because it's not an engine that's running. It's you pushing the engine uphill as opposed to something that runs without you having to do a lot of effort. That's some powerful stuff there. Um, we, we've talked about community before. We've talked about trust and loyalty before, but never on that scale, never in depth like that. And I love that you just touched on that. So what comes after if we are already creating strong content mm -hmm. and we're starting to develop our community, we're starting to, to become basically the expert inside of there. How do we transition that into revenue? One, we have to, I believe you can, you have to sell only a few things, 
right? So one is everybody's trying to sell way too much stuff. So you have to start limiting what you sell, which I, I know for some people are like, but I need to solve all of these problems, right? Um, I, I read a quote recently that basically said, until someone is mocking you, like that people mock you for being known for something that you say, you haven't said it enough, right? So part of the problem with revenue is people are saying too many things and it's dilute. Like one of my favorite Bruce Lee um, quotes is he said something like, I'm not scared of the man who has who, ha- who has tried 10,000 different kicks. I'm scared of the man who's done one kick 10,000 times, right? And that's that's what we want is when you're talking about revenue and that's that consistency that creates that trust is you should have a finite number of ideas of opinions that you repeat all the time and you should have a finite number of things that you offer that you offer all the time. So there's, you may have one thing that launches or something like that, but you have a specific idea, specific what you're known for that perpetuates. I'm a big believer in evergreen. I hate launching. Every time I launch something, my kids get sick. So like for the health of my children, we, we, I like to keep things evergreen. I also think you can't scale what you can't measure. So I want to be able to systematically make things better a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Like that's where the real power happens. So you have to do a finite number of opinions that you repeat all the time and a finite number of things that you offer. Because one of the parts of that, that trust is familiarity, right? So you see a billboard for Domino's 15 different times in 15 different places, right? You don't think much of it, but when a, you know, someone thinks pizza, you go, Oh, you know what? Domino's. And the reason that you trust Domino's is because you've seen it enough times that your brain trusts that it's real right? So what we do is we hide our courses, we hide our content, we hide our stuff and we don't tell anybody about it. We don't call do what I call seeding, which is sort of a, in an email, you do an inline mention of something you do or in the middle of a conversation, you'd be like, yeah, we talk about that in my program a lot. You don't tell anything about it. You don't, you just mention it, right? I say the, I say the Boss Mom Academy and the Vault are two main things. I say them all the time. So people aren't seeding it enough. So when they go to actually ask for the sale, people feel like you're, you know, kind of kind of sleazy. Like, what are you doing trying to sell me this thing? But if we actually talked about it enough in these different ways that aren't selling, but are just perpetuating the idea of exactly what we're doing, and there's different ways we can talk about, you know, doing that very specifically, all of a sudden when we go to sell it actively, everybody's familiar with it. They're familiar with it and they go, oh, I've been doing that. Or like with me, my goal and like on my business goals, one of them is, is that at least once a month, someone needs to tell me that being in my program is on their bucket list, right? Like not just, oh, I'd like to join your program, but like I literally have you on a list that I'm saving so that I can give you a lot of money and work with you. Like you were on my set of things I want to do in this lifetime. Like that's what people want. So you've got to, you've got to have the repetition. And, and then the one other thing on top of that is, is what we tend to do as entrepreneurs in the beginning, because we get super excited, is we tend to say different things to the same people over, you know, so it's like, I got it. I've got this following. So I've got to tell them new things over and over and over, you know, all these different new things. What you want to do is you want to say the same thing to different people, right? And you can even say the same thing to the same people because just like how your kids have to practice the alphabet every single day for like a year in order to be able to say the alphabet, your audience, it needs to hear your exact point of view and exactly what you do and the exact tactic and the exact strategy like 10 or 15 times before it's even sunk in. And you need, they need to know it so well that when somebody says something, when somebody, you know, makes a reference to something, they're like, oh, 
you know what Dana always says. Dana says you need to say, you know, you don't need to say the, the uh, you need to say the same thing to different people instead of different things to the same people. And they quote you. So if people don't know what your quotes are, then it's going to be hard to build that revenue because they don't know you enough, trust you enough to be familiar with what you're selling so that when it comes time to sell, that they just know, of course, I'm going to buy that. I've been waiting to buy that. Or I'm just one tiny email away from you convincing me of that one objection I have. So then now all of a sudden, I'm willing to dish out the cash. What do you think you have taught your moms to do in a specific niche the most? Really, the thing that we teach them the most is how to sell. Um, And that's because most people that start businesses are not salespeople, right? In fact, part of why most people don't make money online is because they don't know how to ask the right way to get people to say yes, right? So you have a lot of courses that are created that never sell. You have a lot of consulting where they never get business. You have a lot of, you know, people that just can't bring themselves to do the work that needs to be done to get somebody on the phone and get them to buy something from them. So really what we help most people with is, how to actually sell, how to actually convert somebody into into a client, um, both online and over the phone by saying the right things. And the interesting thing is the things that you're going to say in those instances are also the things that are on your sales pages and in your posts and in your emails. Like it's all based around the same thing. So if you don't know how to say the right things, how to, what I tell people is, is if you can't prioritize the problem you, you are solving so much that they feel like they need to solve it right now, then it's going to be very hard to grow your business because there's too many other things vying for their attention. Like you have to learn how to prioritize the problem. Um, and, and that's the key. And so that's, that's usually what we end up having to teach everybody. Why do you think sales reps make as much money as they do? Cause selling is not, is, is a nuance. It's an, it's an art form, mm-hmm. you know, but it is learnable. It's a skill. Y'all you, I know plenty of introverts that are amazing salespeople. You know, it's totally just like any, anything else. Like we're not asking you to, you know, write a symphony, like learning how to sell is a natural skill that everybody is born with. We are born to persuade people. It is a birthright of us all. So all you have to do is put in a little bit of the work to learn the actual skill and you can be an amazing salesperson for your own business. And nobody cares about the success of your business like you do. Don't expect anybody to work hard when it comes down to it. Don't expect anybody to drop everything in their life for you, for your business. Don't do it. Like you are the only one that's going to care as much as you should about growing your business. So if you're not 100% in, then success is going to be tough. Ooh, boy. Hitting some <laughs> nerves on that one. <laughs> yeah, we well, got to commit, man. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, you can't dabble. There, there are no six-figure dabblers. I mean, may, well, there may be some that just hit on some random thing that we're all jealous about. But We're talking the, about longevity here. Yeah, we have. This, like, this is not a podcast for quick success. We want to provide value so that people can maintain that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is one non-negotiable habit you implement every day? Um, okay. This is going to sound totally weird. I shave my legs. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why this is not like a, well, I guess it's a woman thing. Cause guys don't shave their legs. Maybe be shaving, shaving your face. I don't know. But I, I realized that what I would do is I would care about work so much that I would get up, even if I had to take the kids to school or something like that, I wouldn't, I would immediately jump into the thing. So I'd get out of bed. I'd, you know, open my computer. I'd open my phone. I'd do the thing. I'd dive right in and I go, well, I'll get to like, you know, later in the afternoon, I'll shower and I'll look fine. Cause I don't have to look nice in order to be smart, which is very true. You don't have to look nice to be smart y'all. Um, however, when I took, I had a client who has an all, it's called the all girls shave club. It's like the shave club for women. 
right? Where they mail it to your house. And I did this 30 day challenge to shave my legs every day for 30 days. And I'd had two babies. Both my kids were under four, you know, and, um, and I did this. And what I noticed is that when I shaved my legs, it was a trigger. And when I got out of the shower, I would dry my hair. I would put something nice on. And then my day wasn't rushed. And I'm way more focused and productive when I don't feel rushed. I make better decisions when I don't feel rushed. And all of a sudden, that little bit, I don't even call it self-care. I just call it, I call it a trigger because that's really what it is. Whatever your trigger is, um, find that one thing. And now me shaving every morning is non-negotiable because I know it sets off a chain reaction in my day that makes me more effective at everything I do because I've set the stage for the kind of life I want to live, the kind of life where I wake up and I take care of me first and then I move into the things that I need to do and I'm actually better at those things, including parenting, including being a boss, including being an entrepreneur, writing content, being social, doing all of those things. So just find your trigger. Yeah. You network on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Is that like in-person networking? Uh, It's a little bit of both. I have a policy. And actually, I'm glad you asked that because anybody who's working to build a six-figure business, especially if you're in like coaching, consulting, I think this should be a non-negotiable for you. Once a week, so I have two things that have to happen every single week. Once a week, I need to personally connect with somebody who is behind me, right? And that I do that naturally now because I have a lot of emails that go out and I'm on my community. So my goal is every week, somebody has to message, like I have to have a conversation where somebody says, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like, thank goodness you're in my life. And then I have to have one conversation a week with somebody who is ahead of me, right? So that I can aspire to be something. And those two things are required every single week. And I think those two things keep me grounded from not thinking I'm too amazing because I've still got places to go, but making me feel like I'm actually uh, valuable and worthy um, of what I'm doing and an expert in what I'm doing because I'm actually being impactful for somebody. So I would highly recommend that. So yeah, on Fridays, um, it depends what I'm doing, but a lot of times I'll go and have lunch with somebody, um, a colleague, somebody who's doing something amazing that I haven't done or find somebody in my community and go meet, do a meetup or something like that. Um, Or I will make sure I'm getting on a call or an interview or something where I'm getting that. And Friday's usually my day of if I haven't gotten one of those done, I will proactively make sure I do. But I also know what my business goals are. So I know in my brain what I want for the next 12 months, two, three, five years. And so I'm sort of future casting and looking and going, okay, who do I need to know? What relationship do I need to start in order to get that ball rolling? And Fridays are my good day to really think about it and, f- and find those people. Very cool. I wouldn't have expected you to say that. I'm, I, I'm always curious if people with big communities do that. Cause you have like, you just have a central place where networking happens naturally. So super cool to know that you still proactively do that. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And you, um, you just can't beat seeing people in person. Like we just, we just need it. You, yes, you can get amazing connection online, but you got to hug somebody in real life every once in a while. That's important stuff. Yeah. I love that. What is one book you wish everyone in the world would read? Oh, I, I love this question because my answer is always the five love languages. It's the best business book around. And everybody's like, wait a second, Dana, that's a relationship book. And I'm like, yeah, but if you could understand your client's love language, which is just to say, understanding how they feel valued, 
If you can understand your team members' love language, if you can understand the love language of your competitors, of your collaborators, of your mentors, all of a sudden you understand how to speak that love language and you can get so much more of what you want and so much more connection and that loyalty we were talking about from all spectrums of people. Um, It is one of the most valuable skills to have to understand how people feel valued. And that book is the simplest way to understand it. On what do you like to spend your time and money outside of your business? I know you have kids, so probably related to that, but what about yourself? Um, well, I, I'm an experiential person, so I don't like a lot of stuff. My parents were kind of bohemian growing up. We moved a lot. We didn't have a lot of things. Um, and so I'm not really a things person, um, but I'm an experienced person. So I spend my money on like, I learned how to horseback, well, badly, but I've tried to learn how to horseback ride, taking archery lessons and fencing lessons and rock climbing and all, you know, travel and all these different things where I can just experience stuff. So I like to spend my money on experiences. Um, And then generally, if I'm going to spend my money on things, it's on things that allow me to create, you know, like I will, I will spend more money on for my kids on something that helps us build a fort or do these cool experience uh, experiments than I would on the things that they can't creatively play with that kind of thing. Um, And then I like shoes but I don't spend a lot of money on shoes. Everybody should know. I'm not like, I can't spend more than like $150 on a pair of shoes. So I can't spend too much money, but I do like rewarding myself with shoes because they're the only thing that you like can't grow out of and they just make you feel like a lady. Yeah. What have you seen has been like the most commonly used or needed like tool or software for people trying to get to six figures? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, really it's going to be your, your email system. Um, and the, I was just having a conversation with this about the, you know, I call her my girl Friday. She's like my all things tech branding, everything like that. And she, and we were having this conversation, which is like, gosh, you know, it's hard when someone says, Dan, how, what do I build my sales pages and my email on? Like what tool do I use? And we're like, Oh gosh, it kind of depends on where you're at in your business. I think that's, that's one of the hardest tools um, to figure out what you need because it, it like it, you need you need a sales funnel. Anybody who tells you you don't need a sales funnel is using what we call it the common enemy tactic. Writing is my background. Journalism is my background. The common enemy tactic is find something you don't want to do, tell you you don't have to do it so that you feel all warm and fuzzy about it. And then tell you why their thing solves the problem and doesn't make you do the thing you don't want. So all the people that don't want to build sales funnels, someone is going to tell you, well, you don't have to, to have a business. And you're like, thank goodness. So that they can tell you whatever, you know, sell you whatever their alternative is. It's a very, it's a very, Frank Kern does the common enemy so brilliantly. (laughs) I've, I've reviewed some of his funnels before and been like, it's great, but you need one. So you have to have something that can create a page for you that is an e- a lead generating page, an email opt-in page that allows you to have a thank you page and not because your thank you page is your highest converting pages and that, you know, that I can see and a thank you page that allows you to either sell somebody into a call or sell somebody into a low priced product, right? Um, and so if you don't have something that does those two things and then enters them into an email list where you can based on tags and rules. So don't use MailChimp or something like that. You want to use the thing like ConvertKit. There's some other things too. Like that's the thing where you can now, based on what the actions they take, 
send them down different nurture paths. Um, the like, if you don't have something like that, it's really hard to create a six figure business unless your entire plan is just to organically outreach, get people on calls, and sell them that way. But you'll get burnt out. You got to like, you got to have the thing that gives you the sales, at least a two page sales funnel. Dana, thank you so much for just your light. You're, you've been amazing to talk to. I appreciate the wisdom you provided. How do men and women get involved with what you got going on? Cause you're always creating, you're on your, you said your fourth book. This will be my fourth book. Yeah. And climb your own ladder is not boss mom branded. So all you, all you men can go and get it. It's, <laughs> I, I'd like to think it's a pretty snazzy book. Um, and we, yeah. So we have the boss mom podcast. We actually, right when we're recording this are just on the verge of hitting a million downloads, which is amazing. It's taken way too long for that to happen, but I'm happy it did. Um, boss dad podcast is amazing, but boss-mom.com is our website. And that gives you all of our resources. Um, it, you know, all our free things that you can get shows you how to get involved with the community shows you how to get in contact with me, um, all that kind of good stuff. And then Dana at boss-mom.com. That's my personal email. Somebody else manages it for me. Um, so, <laughs> but I get anything that's relevant to like, you want to have a conversation with me, gets to me um, and gets a response. So if you have a specific question, just ask me. Do you have any last words of advice for the people listening? Yeah, I would say that when you're 90% done, you're halfway there is one of my favorite quotes, mainly because it's always 100% true. So for everybody, when you feel like that thing you made or that thing you're trying to do just isn't working, I guarantee you you're 10% away from it exploding and being amazing. And if you just recognize that, then find somebody to work through the last 10%, find an accountability partner, find somebody because that last 10% is the percentage that most people that fail just don't finish. So if you want to be a six-figure earner, then recognize that 90% you know, done means halfway there and then find a way to finish that 10% and success will be yours. I will put all of the links and everything to where people can find you in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for your time and just thank you for being you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. All right, guys. See you next week for another episode of the Six Figure Roadmap. Cheers. You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it.